We're going to resume with Proverbs 25, and God willing, perhaps look a little bit at 26. I believe we went over this, but let's read it again. Proverbs chapter 25. And if I can have some volunteers so that we can all participate. Proverbs 25 has 28 verses. We can divide that up into four people, seven verses each. So someone please read one through seven, and then eight and onwards, seven verses each, please. Proverbs 25, NIV version. These are more proverbs of Solomon, compiled by the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. As the heavens are high and the earth is deep, so the hearts of kings are unsearchable. Remove the dross from the silver, and a silversmith can produce a vessel. Remove wicked officials from the king's presence, and his throne will be established through righteousness. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence, and do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. Praise God. Praise God. We'll just take a moment to pray first. As Pastor Robert posted that from the room over there. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. Blessed Redeemer, we come together in prayer, Lord, trusting you, Lord. Jesus, take away the, Lord, the weakness, Father, on the one side. The paralysis, Lord, put an end to it, my Father. Oh, Relieve your child, Father. It's been a long suffering, Lord. Help, Lord. Help, Lord, my God. May a deep sleep, oh, Father, your strength, your comfort, my God. Father, be upon us right now. In Jesus' mighty name, be upon Pastor Lord. She's there day and night, Father. Continually working, Father. And exerting herself. Father, I pray, give the rest that they both need. Help us, O Father, we greatly strengthen. And indeed, Father, you're putting an end to it, Lord. We believe. We thank you, my Father. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Father, help our Lord to be able to come. Join all the meetings again to rejoice in the Lord God, to keep holy day, as the psalmist says, with the people of God and the house of God. Thank you, gracious Redeemer. And I pray, Lord, for every brother, every sister who may be undergoing some pain, Lord, a lot of pain, Lord, and discomfort, distress, Lord, our brothers and sisters, Lord, the family of God, who've again sacrificed so much, Lord, in overlooking their own troubles, Lord, to intercede for us there. Lord, I pray that you return to your children great favor from the Most High God to alleviate them, Lord, give them relief, every one of them, Father. Lord God, every one of them. And I thank you, Father. Speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Praise be to God. Just one moment, please. Let me check on Samuel. We can just have uh, three other people, three other brothers and sisters, to go ahead and read the rest of Proverbs 25. Uh, This is version, New, uh, New King James Version. Do not go hastily to court, for what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? Debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another lest he who hears it exposes your shame and your reputation is ruined. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Like the cold of snow in time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. Praise the Lord. Verse 15, New King James Version. By long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. Like one who takes away a garment in cold weather and like vinegar on soda is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Praise the Lord. Proverbs Proverbs 25, verse 22 onwards. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The north wind brings forth rain, and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. As cold water to a very soul. So is good news from a far country. A righteous man who fathers before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. It is not good to eat much honey. To seek one's own glory is not glory. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Thank you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Let's look at it from verse 1. As God speaks to his people, there are applications here for all of us. 
I want to read it one time. It's good to read in different versions. I'll read in the New Living Translation. These are more Proverbs of Solomon collected by the advisors of King Hezekiah of Judah. It is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. No one can comprehend the height of heaven, the depth of the earth, or all that goes on in the king's mind. Remove the impurities from silver, and the sterling would be ready, or will be ready, for the silver smith. Just flipping back to this version here. Remove the wicked from the king's court and his reign will be made secure by justice. Don't demand an audience with the king or push for a place among the great. It's better to wait for an invitation to the head table than to be sent away in public disgrace. Just because you've seen something, don't be in a hurry to go to court. For what will you do in the end if your neighbor deals you a shameful defeat. Now in the New King James Version, verse 8 says, Do not go hastily to court, for what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? In the Amplified Version, it says, Rush not forth soon to quarrel. In the brackets, before magistrates or elsewhere, lest you know not what to do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame. Wise advice that we ought to be patient and wait on the Lord. In the New Living Translation, it says more of a witness just because you've seen something. But the other versions speak about a personal problem, a personal issue that's going on with another, a quarrel. And so I don't know why it's left as a, just a witness in the New Living Translation. It's good to look at different translations and ask God for wisdom. The meaning here is that we ought to not be quick to accuse or to go to debate all the way to court because we may be put to shame. When arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip and you will never regain your good reputation. There may be shame that will come if we don't do wisely. That verse is definitely tied to the previous verse. Because it says instead of going to court, talk to your neighbor don't disclose the secret to another, the New King James. Lest he who hears it expose your shame and your reputation be ruined. Have you ever talked to people thinking that you may get some counsel? Thinking that you may get some comfort or relief? And yet it's opened up a new can of worms. Now you have shame in front of this person or they're saying things that you never expected to hear and it's just causing the problem to get worse. It's better to wait on the Lord and be slow to speak, slow to wrath, but quick to listen. 
A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver, what a picture, what a picture, a beautiful picture. Praise God. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. We know from the other Proverbs that we read before, a beautiful woman without discretion is like a jewel of gold in a pig's snout. Conjures up such an image to convey something that God wants us to always remember. That the real beauty must be from within the heart. In the New Testament it says that. It's the hidden man of the heart. The meekness that beautifies a woman. Exactly opposite to what we see in the world. The world says if you get the right colors and right do. And you shop in the right place. And you have the right person to make you up just the way you ought to look like. Then all of a sudden you've become something better. God says you're still the same. doesn't make you better. It may make you feel better. But we know as a person, in the heart, the only thing that will beautify a person in the sight of God, ultimately, is a meek and quiet spirit. And this is how the women of old, it's written in the New Testament, beautify themselves. This is how they were honorable by by being meek and quiet. God is calling us to pay attention this morning because the one who commands a woman to be beautiful on the inside first and foremost is the same one who commanded men and women in Matthew 11 to learn of him who is meek and lowly in heart. We're continually reminded to be peaceful peacemakers. And yet there's a time to speak. There's a time to engage others when there's injustice. But it's all coming from a foundation of quiet waiting upon the Lord first. Then the direction is received. There's a clearance. There's no rushing. The person wouldn't get in a car and rush from point A to B, oblivious to the traffic rules under normal circumstances. And spiritual traveling in our in our journey it's never justified to go ahead of God never 
So it's important for us to talk to the Lord and say, I'm going to bring my feelings to my Father. Whether it's uh, feelings of inadequacy, something that disturbs us. One person may be greatly disturbed if their nails aren't done. It may disturb them the whole day, maybe the whole week. My nails are not the way they should be. Now, there's nothing wrong with them, perhaps. But it's just not the way I thought it should be. And I'm missing my manicure or whatever it is. Another person doesn't phase them at all. And maybe because one person is just different. But there's another person that used to care about those things and has come to understand that as a child of God I'm not going to allow anything to disturb my peace before God that takes maturity that takes strength inner strength that takes an awareness and knowledge intimately of the Lord because when the Lord is there we'll be like Mary lost in his presence nothing can compete with our communion with God now imagine having such a communion throughout the whole day we're human beings, we get attacked, we get disturbed, things happen externally. But God is saying you don't have to let the water get into the boat. It's up to us to ask the Lord to help us to learn how to be meek and gentle and quiet inside. Then we don't have to worry about the outside. We don't have to be expended terms of our energy emotionally and physically relationally whether it's with close family or with the world at large to be bent out of shape as they say because there's an inner peace there and we are communing with God continually and the secret is to bring everything to the Lord first everything why not a habit that needs to be cultivated is not easy for the flesh. It's not easy for people who are not in the Word continually and who don't have the Word in them. But if we have the Word in us, we're abiding and there will be God's grace and His peace. It says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Just a tremendous description, beautiful description. Apples of gold in settings of silver. Just conjures up such an image of exquisite beauty. You can't get anything more beautiful than that. Apples of gold and settings of silver. He says that's exactly how a word, people like to say in season, truly, fitting. When the Lord Jesus spoke, his words were like apples of gold and settings of silver. And for the people who listened, they benefited from that treasure, these apples of gold and settings of silver, because 
it became something to beautify them. You know why? Because they're meek. God will beautify the meek, the psalmist says. And here in the Proverbs, it's written like an earring of gold. What woman would not like a beautiful piece of jewelry? An earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, the best. Is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. There's a prophet. It's not just I've collected some sayings and I've heard some great things. That's a good thing to keep in mind, but there's a transfer because it's received. It's, Lord, you're so beautiful. Your words are so beautiful. I want that beauty to come into me. That's God's intent. That's how powerful the Word of God is. And the word that we speak to other people. Many of us may be used to speaking and counseling, counseling people with our reserve. With our reserve. Whatever we have held and stored by our experience. It may be also from yesterday's manna. It may be from a, a repository, a storehouse of things that we've collected by our experience, and even by yesterday's manna. What we mean by that is we need to be quickened by the Holy Spirit and seek Him and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to say at this moment? There's a vast difference, is it not? Is there not? To go the way most people go in Christianity. The top of the head. Why don't you do this? What, what about... There's a time that we may bounce off ideas, but it must not be the normal approach for everything. Especially when it comes to counseling people. We need to seek the Lord. Say, Lord, what do you want me to say? Let me hear from you. There's a growth where we go from not hearing God but speaking for Him. A growth from not hearing the Lord but speaking for Him nonetheless. Which is not what God wants. To hearing a little bit from God and still speaking for Him a lot. To saying, Lord, I must hear from you fully speak exactly what you want me to that is a tremendous maturity unless we know that these are the stages and where we fit in that path we'll never be able to go beyond what we really want to we can't put a finger on what it is why am I not effective because we haven't waited on the Lord but when we wait on the Lord, the words that we speak can be apples of gold and settings of silver. And to the person that would receive worthy, a person worthy of that truth, they'll begin to shine. That's who I was praying with the children just before the morning call for everyone. Really thankful to God and thanking God that there's a big change in people's lives because they've 
come with an obedient ear. Hallelujah. Whatever has been given has been received. And there's a growth. There's a wise reception of what's being given. Let's move on to verse 13. Like the cold of snow in time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Before they had all the transportation facilities we have now, the ability. A master, a wealthy landowner may send his subject a far distance by foot or by slow traveling animal. There's a waiting, there's an expectation, there's an investment. It's not that he can get on the bus and he'll be back in a half an hour, one hour, or three hours. Often it'll be days, depending upon where he or she is sent, mainly he. There's an expectation of the sender that I'm sending you here. Take this, and I want you to go and give this to that person over there. I want you to do this transaction, and I'm counting on you. As I heard this read, the question for us is, are we faithful ambassadors of Christ, delegated by Him to carry His truth? If we execute the exact plan of God as He sent the disciples two by two, Go and do this, what? Cleanse the lepers. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Preach the gospel. He gave a charge and the Lord's heart is satisfied when we do what He told us to do. We refresh His soul. He's well pleased and happy that we have been sent and we have come back with a return. We've come back with the talents multiplied. Jesus said in the New Testament, Occupy till I come. What is God given us to do? What is it He's given us to do? What is our place in the Kingdom of God? Are we doing something for the Lord? Are we interested in souls being saved? Is that the driving force in your life or has it receded into the second spot and third spot and last spot and no spot it's very possible but if I belong to the father and I'm about the father's business my greatest thrill will be after keeping myself unspotted from the world is to look after the people in distress not just physically and socially but especially spiritually using every means that I have socially and resource-wise to get the word to the people. Usually, people come to the house for anything, whatever it is, such as the hospital bed the other day. The man had a t-shirt, uh, he had a chain, and the pendant was a Harley-Davidson. <coughs> This was the pendant. We all know the motorcycle manufacturer. And so he's wearing that on his neck. 
obviously an idol. Motorcycles are his idols. Unless he was given something fairly, fairly recently and in the honor of the other person without thinking anything of it, just wore it. But most often people wear things that they believe in, they like. More often than not, I should say. And as I looked at that, immediately the feeling came as he was about to leave and sign the paperwork. This man's not going to hear the gospel. He's looking for money. He probably wants a tip if I reach into my pocket. I thought, well, silver and gold, I have none. I don't have anything on hand. And I don't want to mix that right now with what I'm giving. What I'm, what I'm going to give him is something that money cannot buy. It is in the form of a tract. He may look at me. He may look at what he sees and have whatever thoughts he may have. But that doesn't matter to us. We're called to be messengers of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere, anytime. Is there a risk involved? Usually there is. The risk may be the person may scorn, they may say no, they may get angry, they may get hostile, they may scorn, make fun of us. But usually, they take it, and as we give it, we pray. Lord, open their hearts. And there are people who I've seen read it on the spot, and as they're walking away, they open it up and pray. We're called to be messengers of the Lord everywhere. And it's an encouragement for us to keep <clears throat> our Father's business as the first order of business in our lives. Wherever we work, wherever we go, it's possible to get engrossed in the activity and also fear may come in, doubt may come in. But if this person doesn't like what I'm giving. What if I lose something because of this? Then we would prove to be an unfaithful messenger to the Lord. But if we keep our priorities right and we pray, we've said this before, we don't go randomly and haphazardly to everyone and say things. But we wait on the Lord, but God will open the doors and there may be times when He wants us to speak, we may not speak. We'll prove ourselves to be unfaithful to Him. So it's an encouragement to refresh the soul of our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm going to seek you. I want to know. I'm here right now. I'm here right now. Maybe at a dealership, maybe at the grocery store, maybe here or there. Sometimes God will say, don't, don't do it now. But with so many people and the harvest ripe, the, the fields ripen to harvest, there will, be, there will be a lot of people that God will want us to minister to. Hallelujah. Whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. Back to the New Living Translation. A person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Patience can persuade a prince and soft speech can break bones. How powerful. When wisdom is exercised and the words are chosen carefully instead of hastily and 
sarcastically or showing a tone of irritation. There's a vying in the human soul that's not surrendered to God for the upper hand. I've got to let them know I'm annoyed. I've got to let them know you don't speak to me this way. I've got to let them know. We need to be humble and watch God work when we maintain our peace and choose our words carefully. Do you like honey? Don't eat too much or it will make you sick. Wise advice, not just with honey, obviously. But trying to get too much of anything becomes a strange desire. Only God can help us, wouldn't you agree? We see the world and what's happening. We see Christians, people that you know, outside of this church, many of them. It's a free-for-all. They have Jesus as an insurance policy, a salvation, I should say. Instead of saying, Lord, what is the excess? And where is the abscess? This chapter spoke about a tooth and a foot. And just a couple of verses down, a few verses down. Don't visit your neighbors too often or you will wear out your welcome. The apostles, the disciples, the 120 were meeting daily, breaking bread house to house. When a person's spirit is in tune with the Lord, when there's a genuine love from God, you can never wear out your welcome in the fellowship of the saints. But the people who can't sit still, they are just anxious to do something and go somewhere and see someone. It's going to become a problem. So the principles are understood in context of the world. As we mentioned yesterday evening, the natural man, the carnal man, the spiritual man. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe. Wounding them with a sword or shooting them with a sharp arrow. This is how God sees it. It's a deadly thing to lie and it will bring death to the liar. As we know, they will end up in the lake of fire. For the believer, we read some of these things, we think, I'm done with lying, I don't lie anymore. We must be careful that it's never too much to be reminded of the truth that will keep us. Because the enemy doesn't usually come to believers who sincerely follow the Lord to make them fall flat with a, one of his deceptive lures. But he will wait and like a enemy that will besiege the city, try to wear it down little by little. He will wait. But the Word of God will expose him. It will expose sin and temptation. We won't fault for that. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble 
is like chewing with a broken tooth. How painful is that? Any pain in the mouth when we try to eat. Again, a graphic illustration of how if we don't know how to discern what to say to who and who to entrust with what, we will do damage to ourselves. It will become a great pain. It's like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. How we need the wisdom of God. Who to speak to? And who to entrust what to? Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound. Very painful. The Bible says in the book of James, weep with those who weep. And also we are to be joyful with the joyful. Praising God for His blessings but also weeping when brothers and sisters are hurting. The sensitivity to another person's situation can only come from God to the extent of actually ministering to them. God shows us what to do. Otherwise it becomes painful when we think we're doing the right thing. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. In Matthew 5, the Lord says, love your enemies. I say to you, love your enemies. Don't hate them. You heard people say before, love your neighbor. He's right around the block. You take care of him. He takes care of you. You're together. This is your block. These are your neighbors. But the enemy? No, you combine with your neighbors to hate that guy. Jesus said, but I'm telling you, you go love that guy. Give him what he needs. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for them that persecute you. They despise you and it's hurtful, but God said, now turn that into prayer. Sincerely. Bless them that curse you how we need to be reminded in a world that is full of hatred when there are Christians fighting against Christians taking each other to court Paul says is there not a wise person among you isn't the least person instead of taking one another what a shame believers no an enemy an outsider the good Samaritan did not consider the social status in relationship to his people of that Jew. His heart was full of love. When the man was bleeding, the Samaritan's heart was bleeding. Is that the case with us? Does our heart, do our hearts bleed when others are suffering, even if those who have done wrong, or do we say that's good for him? God sees everything. There's a proverb that says, don't you gloat over the enemy. Don't rejoice when the enemy is down. The Lord look on it. The Lord may turn against us. The Lord is so pure. He's so holy. We're so unlike Him. Apart from the 
blood of Jesus that makes us like him. When the instruction is given to help us to know who we are, do not forfeit that uh, right and inheritance, calling. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, you give them water to drink. We know the Lord will never instruct us to do anything hypocritically either. You don't stand and say, here, drink this. And say a hundred words along with that and wish something negative. But sincerely, the Lord did that for us. We hated him. That's the truth. We were enemies of Christ, the Bible says, enemies of Christ. But he came to enemies and reconciled us to him. How? Just to say, okay, you can live on my block. No, he said, you come live with me in my house. Who? The person that was insulting God. That's you. That's me before we came to Christ. He invited us out of his love. All of a sudden to the banqueting table. Such a rich God, rich, rich in mercy. Now he says, you do that for enemies that you have. And they're in trouble, help them. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads and the Lord will reward you. It may well lead to their repentance. As surely as a north wind brings rain, so a gossiping tongue causes anger. Much to say about words in this proverb also. Perhaps it's a good practice to regularly ask if we have a problem as we're hearing the word of God. Say, Lord, I really, really don't want to say even one syllable of one word more than I ought to say, Lord, from your perspective, your eyes. Help me, Lord, to say what you want me to say and really have the discipline to hold back and not say anything more. We think, well, I've progressed. I was relating to one of the sisters on the call some years ago at a faith-based institution and I mentioned this, the progress to really know the nature of Christ and where we are and uh, not get caught up in the ministry, ministering and doing activities and ignoring the soul, the heart's condition. And I mentioned this, I said, God has a progress. Is it first? Somebody crosses you, whether in the ministry or elsewhere. You may... hurl an insult their way. And you say, that's not right before God. I feel ashamed. Next, you may not hurl an insult, hurl an insult, but you may clench your fist, grind your teeth, gnash with your teeth. Body language says it all. You may not say the words, but there's a problem still. You progress further and say, no, this is not good. Lord, why am I feeling like this? Why am I exhibiting this? Oh, Lord. Next, it may be 
No clenching of the fist, no gnashing of the teeth. We're just looking at them. Inside the mind, wishing negative things, bad things. Then there's a progress further. No clenching of the fist, no gnashing with the teeth, but a smile. Saying, this is Jesus' way. They insulted me, but I'm going to smile. And the smile is a smile with very tightly pursed lips. Inside the same vengefulness is there with a smile. Thinking that, well, I'm behaving like you, like, right, Jesus? Isn't that right? I'm smiling. The Lord still looks at the heart. And then there's a person that has communed with the Lord, spent sufficient time every day and asked the Lord, Lord, I've got to change. Lord, I have to be just like you. Help me, Lord. And there's a reply and a reaction to an hostile to a hostile advance from someone, there's a smile in return of gentleness, and the external corresponds with the internal. In the heart is peace and love. And God will help us. God has helped many of us. Praise be to God. The point again and again is only God can show us our true nature. And only God can help us to have the true nature of Christ. It is better to live alone in the corner of an addict. We're in Proverbs 25, verse 24. It is better to live alone in the corner of an addict than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. We know this all too well. How many people have mansions and all these things? There's no peace. What's the use? You know why? Many times they think this is how it is. doesn't matter. As long as I have the jewelry and the clothing and the amenities and the vehicle and the house and long as my friends think that I'm something and they're jealous of me in my circle, maybe your cultural circle. One of my former students, young children in the Christian school, his parents are very well-to-do, come from an Armenian family, from Syria. Um, the father's a doctor and pathologist. And uh, we went to their house. It's a very expensive home. And the children have everything that they could possibly desire. The child was beginning to drink. They're wondering what happened. Where did we go wrong? We don't drink. The child with so much of uh, schooling and blessing from the parents starting to be depressed and angry. And he was drinking and they were concerned, so they invited us over to help them. And uh, Pascal prayed and uh, the next thing we heard was that he is okay by God's grace. But they had this wealth, so much wealth. And yet in their circle, in social media, although they say they're Christians, fully engrossed in the world, high society, 
what pop singer in their particular cultural circle is coming to town and how is the best in dining and all these things. There's no peace. There's a lot of action, activities, but no peace. We want peace more than anything else. Jesus comes in and he brings the peace and he asks us to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Good news from far away is like cold water to the thirsty. If the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. Psalm 125 has something to say similar to this. They lest the righteous put forth their hands into iniquity. It's written that the wicked will not rule their territory. We know our identity, our identity is in Christ. We don't mix with ungodly. Blessed is the man that does not listen to the counsel of the ungodly. We train our ears to hear what Jesus says. We're able to discern when God is speaking and when somebody is speaking for the devil. Peter spoke for the devil. The Lord rebukes Satan right there on the spot. We want to obey the Lord and understand God's counsel. And when he's speaking... Spending time with Jesus is the only way. It's not good to eat too much honey. And it's not good to seek honors or honor for yourself. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A person without self-control is like a city broken down without walls. Some of the most famous people remember standing in a grocery store one day and they had the magazines on the rack. And they had a, a triple tragedy. Some of the most well-known singers and actresses of the last century. And they said something to the effect that how did they go wrong? How did they all end up so bad they had they were at the top of their craft. How do they sink and how do they become depressed and lose everything? It's because they were seeking that honor that comes from the world which is worthless when compared to the honor that comes from God alone. These things help us to wisely assess everything we hear. Words can have a tremendous effect on us. The news, uh, entertainment news, and things that we're bombarded with, not because we're seeking it, but it's here and there. And as I said, the enemy will try to erode, and step by step, just make us lower our defenses a little bit, and mingle a little bit, just a little bit, that's all he say, just try a little bit. Just like a drug pusher may come to the innocent child, just a little bit. The immoral person, just a little bit. 
the violent person. Let's go and hang out here just a little bit. person can come away possessed. We don't want any part of this world that is ruled by Satan. God is sovereign. The earth belongs to the Lord in the fullness thereof, but the world, the cosmos, the arrangement of the worldly system continually tries to make a Christian give up his rights, his birthright, her birthright. And it's important for us to hear the word over and over and over again to keep us in the straight and narrow path. And then we will become very resourceful, very blessed and a blessing to others as Abraham was a blessing to other people. We'll become a blessing. We'll be able to pick up. That's not good. But what's wrong with this? The Word of God says this. The Spirit of God is saying this. We'll not only save ourselves but our hearers. I want to conclude with verse 4. Remove the impurities from this from silver, and the sterling will be ready for the silver smith. The verse that we look at in comparison with Proverbs twenty five four. We see Paul again speaking about in a great house. In a great house. 2 Timothy 2.20 There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. We've heard this before. We want to be that golden cup. But we want no dross attached to it. We want to be the golden cup that is functional, fully golden. There's no contamination. Let us... Therefore, cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We want to be all that God wants us to be. Completely pure, transparent before God and holy. Take away the dross from the silver and it will be ready. For what? The workmanship of the master silversmith. Ready for honor. If a man therefore purge himself from these dishonorable things in my life, my thought life, my attitude, I don't want any part of it. I want to be just like my Jesus. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat. That means ready for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. What are the things that contaminate? Youthful lusts. The devil brings a thought. Remember how it was with this person and that person and that time? We say, we reject it. I rebuke you. Get out in Jesus' name. Right at the first moment we have to do that. The devil can take you on a daydream tour and take you down. We have to know. I have nothing to do with my past. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't want to think about it. Even if I meet people that I used to be with, I'm dead to that life, hallelujah, and I don't want to hear it, I rebuke it, flee youthful lust, all desires having to do with the past or present temptation, have nothing to do with it, but follow what? How do you become a vessel that is golden, honorable, follow righteousness, faith, charity or love, 
God's love, agape love, self-sacrificial love. Oh, a love that looks at people and says, what can I do for them, Lord? Isn't that what the prophet did? The prophets? The Lord Jesus himself did that. I want to be a blessing, Lord, to people. First and foremost, because my heart is pure. God's Spirit can flow through me in many different ways to bless many people. Follow righteousness, faith, love, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I just hear this word and I read it. I can't help but think about that beautiful new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride prepared for the bridegroom. Scintillating. Glorious. The different stones mentioned there. Shining gold like transparent glass. Hallelujah. We mentioned you are Zion. You belong to Zion. We are the new Jerusalem of God. We belong to that city. Holy. Undefiled. Faithful messengers of God. Each and every one of us. To show God's holiness and love. His truth to this world. Even today. Oh Father, I thank you for your mercies. Lord, I pray that you rain down your mercies, Lord. Of healing. Upon Lord, our brothers and sisters. Lord, help Jeff. Help Mike and Heidi, Lord. Help Lord India and Danzi to be continued to be sustained, Lord. Thank you for bringing them out of Father. The recent affliction. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for being with Carmel, Lord, Carlene, Yvonne, thank you, Lord. Lord, bring each one out of the distress. Whoever else, Lord, is feeling pain or having trouble, my Lord and my God, relieve them of the burden, my Lord and my God. Oh, Father, even as you're helping us, the Lord, help our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray, help Samuel, Lord, as Lord, he's still under affliction. Heal him, Father. Deliver him, Father. Thank you. You're a prayer-hearing God, a prayer-answering God. You are good, always doing good, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we can cry unto you. We can intercede for one another because our Father is alive. Our Father lives. Our Father demonstrates his love and mercy by hearing the cries of his children and answering them heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, flood your people with your joy. Oh, my Father, lift up the spirits, Lord. Oh, Father, Father, strengthen, Father, in the inner man. Lord, that our thinking may be straight before the Lord, even today. Be well-pleasing, a vessel unto honor for the King. My God, you supply all the needs of your people according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, thank you for giving us a holy resolve to continue to press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, for being with Ginny, Lord. Comforting and strengthening her, Lord. Having mercy upon her family. And others, Father, uphold them with the right hand of your righteousness. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.